This is the Amberkirk Christian Centre podcast. Well, hello and thank you for listening to this podcast. My name's Tim. I'm part of the team here at Amblecote. And today's podcast uh, is about racism and racial inequality. Uh, we've been talking about this for a while as a church family, uh, really since the, tra- well, long time ago, over many, many years, but particularly since the tragic death of George Floyd. We really felt that it was a time uh, and a moment with everything that was happening in our world at that moment to reflect, to spend some time seeking God, to listen, and really to hear what God wanted to say to us as a church family at that time. We've been doing that over a few months now through our church family meetings, uh, in prayer, in an interview, through conversation. And this podcast really is a kind of bringing together of probably the first half of this conversation uh, that we've had um, so far. We're hoping to do another podcast at some point uh, where we'll pick up on some other things. Uh, But I hope today that we can continue the conversation that we're having. And this can continue really to be part of the process. We really feel this is a process of God speaking to us about these issues. So today I'm joined by uh, Stacey and Ruth. Are you there? Hello. Hello. Good to have you with us. So Stacy is part of our eldership team here at Amblecote Christian Centre and he's married to Ruth. And uh, we're going to be asking them a few questions about their personal experience of racism. Uh, so it's great to have you with us. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to, um, we're also very blessed as an eldership to have David um, on our team. And David is a solicitor and also a judge and um, kind of oversees um, discrimination uh, tribunal situations and he's very experienced in this area so it's good to see you with us as well David. Thank you Tim thanks for having me on. So David's I've asked David to kick us off with um, really opening this discussion with some um, explanation of what racism actually is um, so David I think you're going to start with that is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. So what is, you know, from your sort of, you've obviously got a professional um, slant on this as well as a personal, but what, you know, really, what is racism? Okay, Um, it's obviously a really important question, uh, not one that's possible to answer in the short time that we've got in a full sense. Um, And also, I don't, although I spend a lot of my working life grappling with issues of discrimination in the workplace, I certainly don't put myself forward as an expert on racism across the board. Um, But um, I think what we can do is um, give a sort of working understanding of uh, racism and racial inequality. So I'll try to do that um, in the short time that I've got. Um, Just before I do that, I think it's important to make a few preliminary comments. The first thing is that when we talk about race in law under the Equality Act 2010, what we mean is a person's colour but also their nationality or ethnic or national origin. So it could be all of those or any one of those. And obviously outside of the law in the general world, particular culture and cultural expressions can be attached to particular race as to particular races as well. 
So um, I'm going to go through really quickly four main ways in which we might understand racism at its most basic. And I'll try to ground the subject by giving some specific examples of what that might look like in our lives, if that's OK, Tim. That'd be great. Thanks, David. Um, it may be that not everyone listening will agree with my examples, but that's OK as, as well. Um, it's about continuing a conversation, as I think you've already indicated in your uh, introduction. Uh, but I also want to say that if, as I go through these uh, four basic ways of understanding racism and some examples of how they might be seen in our lives, whilst I want to, of course, say that it's an incredibly serious issue, if we see any of this behaviour in ourselves, and if we're honest, most of us will in some way or other, I think it's important to make clear that this is not the unforgivable sin. Mm. Even though culturally, it probably has the biggest stigma attached to it, yes. if we're courageous enough to say to, it, to, to say to ourselves and to others, yes, I recognise myself in that description, it's not unforgivable. It is serious and we need to treat it seriously, but it is not something that we should hide away from uh, as a church family. So if I break it down into four, um, four areas as quickly as I can, first of all, racial harassment. And that's probably the one that most people recognize um, because it's quite rightly the type of racism that makes the news most often. So that's using language or name calling or intimidation or even violence based on someone's race. And that may have been what happened to George, George Floyd. I guess we'll have to wait to see what happens in the uh, court case in that regard. Uh, and in many cases, it's important to say that that kind of harassment in the UK, including name calling, would be a criminal offence. So that's racial harassment. Secondly, there's race discrimination. That's a complex subject, but at its most basic, uh, the, one of the forms of race discrimination is treating someone differently to the way you treat others because of their race. And usually, the important point is, usually it's unconscious. We don't know we're doing it and we don't always, or if ever, do it deliberately. So let me give some examples. In the workplace, if you're a manager and you give someone less opportunity to progress because of their nationality, or if in business you prefer to deal with people who are the same race as you, or in everyday life, if you cross the road to avoid walking past someone who has a different color skin to you or avoid uh, sitting next to someone of a different race on the bus or the train or in a restaurant, or if you prefer to be served in a shop by someone who looks like you instead of someone who doesn't, if we do any of those things, we need to ask why. And there's every chance that unconsciously it's race discrimination. So that's race harassment, race discrimination. Thirdly, um, the third broad type of racism is racial stereotyping. And again, often that's not conscious, but essentially it's holding a view of people, not based on them as individuals, but based on what we've come to believe about their type of person. Mm. So, for example, we might say that they're arrogant or lazy or less intelligent because of their race. And that is racism in the form of racial stereotyping and we can think of all sorts of other ways in which that might happen um you know unreliable stingy with money all those kinds of things they can be racial stereotyping based on someone's nationality or or other aspects of race and then finally um having briefly touched on harassment discrimination and stereotyping 
The most difficult one to spot and to deal with, fourthly and finally, is institutional racism or systemic racism. Or another way of putting that more broadly is racial inequality or um, inequality of opportunity. And basically that is where the system, the way things are in a workplace, a church, even a region or a nation or the world, disadvantages people of a particular race. So in big picture terms, I think we have to ask serious questions why in our country, uh, politics, law, many professions, broadcast media, FTSE 100 companies and so many other influential areas of our society, why is it that black people, for example, are not represented in those spheres of life proportionately to their numbers in our population generally? We might think that we don't contribute to that, but on a personal level, are there ways in which we educate our children that perpetuate privilege for people of our race and silence people of other races? Or a more personal example might be to ask ourselves this question, if our church were to grow by 50% in number over the next year, what would the new people look like? Would they be all the same race as me? I'm a white UK person, if I envisage our church growing by, let's say, 100 people in the next year, are they all or predominantly white UK like me? If so, that may reveal some of my assumptions and might be an example on a very local and small level of institutional or systemic racism. So I could say a lot more, Tim, but I've probably said enough. That's a bit about what racism is. That's really helpful, David, I think, because um, obviously, you know, um, for good reasons at times definitely you know there's a lot of um passion and there's also a lot of anger around these issues and i think it's easy for us to become i think defensive um yeah. and try and push some of this conversation away and i think what we're saying is hey let's take some time let's stop let's think and actually with some of those examples you've given i think most of us if not all of us could reflect on times when those kind of thoughts, feelings, opinions have crept into our thinking. And I think what we're saying, which is what you said at the start probably is, and obviously that's not okay, but you know, we, we sin and we can be open about that and come before God and in our Christian relationships, talk about this openly with one another. Yeah. Without condemnation as well, Tim, um, as you say, it generates a lot of heat to this issue. And I absolutely understand that. And in many ways it should. Um, but uh, the danger of that is that we can't be open with each other about, as you say, where those attitudes, thoughts, feelings pervade our own lives. Um, if we think that by owning up to that in any way, we're basically going to be dismissed as people and hung out to dry and that is what some aspects of our culture would do um, but we don't want that to be the case in, in in the church of Jesus do we no of course not okay and um, so the other thing I'd like you to talk about if that's okay David was um, we put out a bit of an email uh, about our kind of biblical stance 
uh, yep. as a um, well, well probably we didn't outline a biblical stance but we you know gave some indications of where we we stand biblically on this um, issue so would you maybe just talk through a few of those things for us just you know to get it really straight from the start you know theologically biblically where do we stand on racism yeah happy to do that thank you i've done a little bit of thinking about this and listening to other stuff about this not not a huge amount but a little bit more since that email went out and since um, we talked about this in a church family meeting and it is just uh, uh, interesting how once you start to think about it you really see that um, this is a theme that is relevant in the bible from beginning to end yes. um, again i can only briefly touch on it um, because of time but in summary i'd say the beautiful message of the bible is unity in diversity and when you consciously start thinking about it um, and you, you'll see it not everywhere you look in the Bible, but, yeah. you know, right the way through in so many different places. It's a, an, an issue um, which is very dear to God's heart. So uh, let's just quickly go through the sort of main threads of that, the main contours of that in the Bible. We can begin with the person of God himself. In the Christian faith, uniquely god is a unity in diversity and i think you and others have talked about this in different contexts tim but within the trinity father son and holy spirit we see unity absolutely but we also see diversity and of course we see that secondly played out in god's work as creator uh, in in at least two ways first um Again, we see unity and diversity in the creation of male and female, mm. uh, which prefigures, I believe, the unity and diversity that God intends for humanity generally. And secondly, of course, in creation, every person is created as a unique gift made in the image of God. And that's what gives every one of us dignity, value, hope. Um, and it does mean, yes, we have to say this, it's vitally important that any form of racism or racial privilege or racial inequality is sinful, it's always unloving, and it's always unjust, mm. because it's an offence not only against the other person, but first and foremost, we believe, against God yeah. himself. If we move quickly on from the creation account, we get to Genesis 12, which is an absolutely crucial uh, chapter in the whole of the Bible where God calls Abraham. It's the foundational passage for the creation of his people, the nation, the national people, Israel, as we know, which story follows through really the whole of scripture. What's important to note, though, is that the whole purpose of the call of Abraham, the creation of that nation in Genesis 12 is the blessing of all nations, all nations in the world. We could move on then to the prophets in the Old Testament and talk about how God's passion for justice is highly relevant. Um, God speaks into the ways that we do life that disadvantage and oppress others. And he calls for change, radical change. Yeah. But also beautifully we see in the prophets passages which talk about all nations coming to God. What about Jesus? Well, he models uh, the beginning of taking the message of the kingdom of God to those outside of Israel. And in his death, Paul teaches in Ephesians that Jesus died to break down the cultural and racial barriers of, that because of sin keep people apart, the fundamental divide that existed then between Jew and non-Jew. And of course, Jesus himself, before 
his ascension after his resurrection in Matthew 28 commands his followers to take his message and his kingdom to all nations. And then as we come towards the end of the Bible in the rest of the New Testament, we see in Acts and the many of the letters, we see the early church wrestling with the crucial issue of do non-Jews have to become like Jews culturally, even physically, in order to share in the good news of the kingdom of Jesus? And of course, the resounding answer to that question is no, they don't. And of course, finally, in the end, John declares in Revelation that around the throne of God will be a family gathered from all nations, tribes and tongues. So it's a beautiful theme. That's just a thumbnail sketch of how from beginning to end, it seems to me, once you start even to just think about it briefly, this theme of unity and diversity, which speaks right into this issue of racism, is uh, very much on the heart of God and part of his revelation of himself and his purposes in his word. That's so good, mate. And it's probably um, a little bit unfair of me really to ask you to do a, a biblical outline on racism in like five, six minutes. But you've done a great job there. Thank you, mate. And um, I, I just really, you know, have that image, you know, that you, you reference there from every tribe, every tongue, you know, that is the calling jesus calls out to all and um we sort of a few times we've commented in our church family meetings that probably the church certainly should be one of the places if not the foremost place where people can say wow you know how can people from different backgrounds different races different um you know levels of income different types of societies all of those things come together under one like you say one unity and really the church should be that place ideally and certainly in the its ultimate sense you know what i mean will do that as revelation talks about um, so that's kind of the trajectory we're on i believe and what we you know god is calling for amongst us as the people of god so if you're okay stopping there david if that's okay yeah no problem uh, but I, I mean feel free to jump in we're going to turn to uh interview uh ruth and stacy that's okay with you guys yeah yep. um it's great to have you with us um and um yeah we we kind of wanted to we've kind of outlined there david's done a great job of sort of outlining biblically and sort of the you know the back backdrop that we're having this discussion with um but we also wanted to talk personally because this is also a personal um issue a personal thing for many people in our church family but also outside of our church family so thank you for being willing to do this and thanks for being honest and uh, open and um, so really i'm aware that many people listening to this won't know who you are uh, so do you want to begin by introducing yourselves and also what you did in our church family a while ago our church family meeting is talked about your heritage in terms of race so that'd be great to hear about as well so I'm Ruth, I'm married to Stace, um, I'm white British with Roman Gypsy background. And I'm Stace, married to Ruth, um, and I'm black Afro-Caribbean, born in Britain. So um, being a mixed race couple, we imagine that you've you know, experienced firsthand uh, some of uh, the horrors of racism and I don't know if this is me maybe being prejudiced, Stace, but maybe for you growing up, uh, but also today and then for you both certainly as a couple. So 
Do you want to tell us a little bit about your personal experience, whether you want to start with you, Stace, growing up, um, or whether you want to kind of talk about you as a couple, I'll totally leave with you, but tell us a bit of your experience of, um, yeah, of what you've actually experienced. Okay, I'm going to let Ruth go first. Go for it, that's fine. Yeah, so we both grew up in Dudley, um, very like, close by, didn't go to the same schools or anything, um, but had very completely different experiences growing up. So I went to a primary school in Dudley that was very, very mixed, um, Asian, black, um, probably minority white. Um, so to me, that was normal. Yeah. Um, Never really saw any of my friends experience racism. So I was quite naive to it. Um, would never have tolerated anybody being racist towards my, friend, my friends had I seen that. Um, so I kind of grew, grew up not really knowing that racism existed. I was kind of in a little bit of a bubble. Yeah, yeah. Um, Stacey's experience is very different. So, still within the same town, um, Dudley, um, across Dudley, I, I lived in an area called the Buffery, and Buffery was predominantly white, um, and the same was with, uh, with school as well, and encountered racism quite regularly um, at school, as well as out and about on the, on the street. Um, and not just with, you know, children at school, but also with teachers. Mm. Um, so teachers um, treated um, treated us quite badly. So there was one teacher in particular that really, really did um, was abusive um, verbally, mentally, and very badly physically. Yeah, and you know, through, throughout our, um, you know, throughout growing up, there's you know different different things that uh, that go on. Yeah. So. Apart from school, um, you know, the police tended to, to treat us quite badly. Yeah. Um, and you had to make sure that you not just had your wits about you, but knew exactly what you needed to do to make sure that they didn't scoop you up and take you away. Um, and just generally, general people as well. Sometimes you'd be chased or people would make monkey sounds, throw things at you, spit at you. Yeah. Um, and you always had to look out for, um, for skinheads. So if there was, a, you knew where the skinheads and the rockers normally hung around and you'd just avoid those areas because, you know, on, on a number of occasions, you, you'd get beat up by, um, by gangs of skinheads and rockers. And did you just sort of like, what was your, did you see that as normal? Did you know that? you know did you identify it as racism you know what i mean how did you see that kind of growing up it, it was normal in the sense that you knew what was going to happen if um if you encountered those people or just generally again you just was watching yourself to make sure that you didn't put yourself in a vulnerable situation so it just became a part of what you did yeah. to make sure that you stayed safe in the different situations that you'd find yourself in so I suppose from your point of view, both of you can jump in if you like, but, um, you know, we might say, well, we don't live in a society that, you know, has racism anymore, or, or perhaps like you talked, Ruth, about being in a bit of a bubble, maybe some people are in a bit of a bubble and just don't see it day to day. What would kind of be your response to that from your experience? 
Yeah, obviously, like being married to Stace and um, the the kids are um, mixed race, but I've, like I've experienced it not obviously not personally, but you know with Stace and with the kids. Yeah. Um, and I think people wouldn't expect if you're white and you live in a nice white middle class area, you, you're not going to experience it. So. Yeah, if you don't experience something, you've got really no idea that it goes on. Yeah, I'd say. And so, from um, your kind of experience, you'd say this is because a, a current reality. Because you're talking in Dudley, you know, this is our hometown. This is where we live. This is something that's very real and very out there. Yeah, I'd probably say in Dudley now we would. I feel comfortable in Dudley. Yeah. Don't really get any um, abuse or racism, do we? Obviously, the kids have that, that school experience yeah, yeah. pieces. It tends to be when we sort of when we <laughs> when we travel out yeah. um, to more predominantly white areas, yeah. um, you know, and and that's where it happens more, more isn't so. it? Yeah. yeah, I mean, there was. On one instance where it's actually not that far away, um, I was actually with John Cook, um, and we we were in a pub in Stourbridge, yeah. and this is a pub that he he's been to with his brother, had no hassle at all, but he went there with me, and things dramatically changed and were very very different just because I was there with him. Wow. So that's not a million miles away, but again, yeah. it's a different area where it is predominantly white, and he was really shocked to. To experience, um, to experience that because he never had, um, and I think he was also shocked that for me it didn't bother me in the sense that, well, that's what you expect. I was just um, going to ask that really, Stace. Connor, how does that make you feel? How do you feel about that? Um, it's it's difficult, really, because sometimes you, you you sometimes you can feel quite angry about it. Sometimes you feel oh, well, it's just what I'd expect anyway. So you you, ha you have mixed feelings about it. Yeah. Um, and it depends what happens as well. So, you know, there's, like I just said about that instance with um, with John, sometimes you just drive in the car um, and people can just abuse you for no reason. I remember letting a guy through. He was my right away, but I just let him through. And, and if you could have heard the things he shouted through his window, um, for no reason at all, um, you'd just have been shocked. Um, and also being um, attacked by, um, by gangs of men that, you know, or attempted to, yeah. but because I had my wits about me, um, it didn't actually happen. But had I not, I'd have been hospitalised or potentially worse. Right. And that, that was, again, out of town. Yeah. And that wasn't long ago. That was a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. So that's it. So it's relevant. It's today. It's in yeah. our time. Yeah. Okay. It is. Let's, um, one thing I really want to dig into on this podcast that we did talk about in one of our church family meetings is I think sometimes we can say, yeah, 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 this is happening. It's kind of out there. Um, maybe, you know, it's definitely in, you know, USA. Um, maybe it's in some areas of our society, but it doesn't exist within the church. Um, and maybe so you know what what's your kind of experience of racism in the church because perhaps we can say well yeah that's the way the world is you know and just 
but what about amongst the people of God? What's been your experience uh, there? Yeah, I think, um, like, obviously, <laughs> we haven't, well, I haven't, but I, we haven't sort of had, like, blatant name-calling or anything like that, but people definitely treat you differently and see you differently. And I remember somebody phoning up to speak to Stace once um, to invite him to come and to, to come and see the African children's choir because um, I think they felt that the African children's choir would feel a lot more comfortable if Stace was there. Yeah. Um, but they didn't get older Stace, they got older me. And yeah. so we're asking, you know, can Stace come along? And I'm like, um, yeah, but why does Stace need to come along? Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, well, you know, like, no, don't know. <laughs> Made it quite awkward, which I know is a bit naughty. But it was that naivety of, oh, well, they're black and Stacey's black, so they'll have loads in common. And the reality is, actually, Africans and Jamaicans don't kind of tend to get along very well. <laughs> yeah. That's an example of kind of like that un unknown you know it's not kind of malicious it's not the sort of harassment end that, that no you know. no just naivety and, yeah and in in terms of what what you know what i've experienced uh, that some things that people have, have said and again i think it's more out of ignorance learnt behavior um you know sometimes misinterpretation um so you know a couple of couple of things that have been said here were um you a lot really know how to drag a service on don't you and by that they were saying you know in a black church you just you don't know when to stop which yeah. i thought well okay um and what was the other thing uh why did you come to our church when you have a church of your own wow um and questioning as a mixed race couple should should we even get married like yeah. is, is it biblical should you get married um yeah. yeah which i just thought was really bizarre so i guess again how much of that do you think from your opinion is it's kind of like just an inherited culture you know what i mean just kind of what what people have experienced growing up or do you think that you know some of these things are so deeply entrenched in our views and in our thinking that it's just there unknown you know unknown to us I'd, I'd say something that david um touched on um sort of answers part of that yeah so sometimes um you can be oblivious to to what you feel and think yeah it's actually either challenged or held up in front of you yeah and um sometimes a view can be passed on so it's not something that you've necessarily generated yourself or has come out of your experience, but something that's been passed on by, you know, dad, granddad or, or, or whoever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you end up with that, you know, maybe second or third generation. And you probably couldn't even answer why or even know that it's there. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, you know, when when people have said things, I haven't not challenged, but just literally just held it up and just just said, if you think about what you've just said, yeah. how, how, you know, how do you think that, that sounds? Just literally saying that back. And sometimes people have gone, oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And other times I haven't because it just, sometimes you just can't 
you know, I know it sounds bad, but you just can't be bothered. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess that's why, you know, taking this time to think about this, to consider it, you know, it's, it's um, interesting. You know, I found it really interesting that the sort of some of the mo social media stuff has sort of died down a little bit now, which I think is interesting because I think that when we first sort of started looking at this, we were really keen not to sort of have an instant reaction, but yeah. to look at a long-term response and actually coming before God and yeah. asking him, you know, and I think that's like with David's encouragement of not being condemned, I think that if we come with a kind of condemning voice on this, then our answer will either be to attack back or to retreat and not do anything. But actually, if we come before God, knowing yeah. that there is no condemnation in Christ, then actually we can, like you say, look at some of those beliefs that, we, like you say, we might not know we hold and bring them before God, bring them into the light and let him deal with it. One of the things that's, that's come out of um, the, the recent things that uh, there happened with the, with the whole race issues that have hit the news and so on, is people actually wanting to come and talk to me about it. Yeah. And that's just been amazing, um, being able to just unpack that um, with people, but not just, not necessarily from my perspective, but listening to them and what they feel, what they think, and then, you know, walk through that together. And it's just been such um, an incredibly enlightening experience for a lot of people. Um, and, you know, for one person that, that, you know, they actually presented themselves um, to repent um, wow. about it. And w those are the things for me that are just unbelievably valuable that, that, that that's actually going for the heart isn't it that's changing um a person and if you're changing a person then plenty of circumstances will be different um because of that fantastic mate. i was gonna say how did you feel about that that must have been encouraging it was incredibly encouraging and i i'd, I'd always say i'd go for dialogue over statement every day of the week yeah. um I, yeah I, let like we like we've already said going for the heart is for me, the only way that change is actually happen and stay change. Yeah, fantastic, mate. Okay, so we're running out of time a little bit, so I'm just going to um, come to one in a... You've got a couple of minutes <laughs> just to tell us. Um, we're not expecting you to have the answers, okay? Um, because you're a mixed-race couple, it doesn't mean you know how to solve racism. But, um, you know, could you share some ideas? You've, you've touched on a few there, Stace, about, you know, what what we can do personally perhaps if some of these things have been highlighted in us what would you say we can do one is definitely to talk yeah. don't you know don't um don't bury it don't be ashamed you know talk even if you if you'd say you know what actually i know i'm not racist but but just talk anyway just just talk because there's elements of it in every single one of us and I know people don't like to hear that, but it, it's true. So being able to, to talk about it and, and just grapple with this thing, it, it will help. It, it really will help. Um, and trying to be aware of other people's feelings and experiences, that can be difficult, but it's really important because the more that we are, the less that people will be hurt or put in situations that they're not supposed to be. Yeah. 
Anything from you, Ruth, to kind of help us on this kind of journey when we're looking into these issues? Yeah, I'd say the same, like just to, to be open and talk to people. And, and sometimes you're chatting and, and things come up. Just a really quick example. I was chatting to a friend about um, Jude. So Jude, you know him, he's a lovely kid. He's got heart of gold, um, not perfect, obviously. But when he goes out the house now, I mean, he's, he's a young man. He goes out in his baseball cap and I'll say to him, take your baseball cap off, mate, because of how you, how you, you've got to think about how you look when you're out there. Don't hang out with like big gangs of kids mm. because people make judgments. And my friend said to me, no way, like I, I'd never have to think that way. Yeah. And we just had this conversation. It just opened up like, you know, things that, you know, hadn't been thought about. And it, it, it is really good to be able to talk stuff through. That's really good. Well, not a good situation, obviously, but I think you're right. Um, the more that we can talk about this, the more that we can open this up and not shut it down, um, yeah. the better, really. Fantastic. Well, I think I'm going to draw things to a close there because of time. Is there anything else that you would like to add in to finish off Ruth and Stace? No, no, no we're done. Fantastic. Thank you so much. <laughs> David, anything from you to close? No, mate. Thanks very much for having me on. It's been uh, great and really good to listen to uh, Stacey and Ruth as well. Thank you, mate. Fantastic. So thank you everyone for listening to this podcast and um, we're hoping to do another podcast perhaps in the next few weeks, maybe a month, um, that will try and reflect some of our conversation we've been having as a church family uh, around responding to cultural movements. So obviously this um, what has happened in the media and on social media and uh, on telly and things like that has been about racism, but it's also had a sort of cultural movement element to it. And uh, particularly, we'll be looking at the organization Black Lives Matter and um, looking at how we as Christians can respond to cultural movements when they happen happen and how we can sort of have a prayerful thoughtful response so um that should be coming out look out for that uh, in the next few uh, weeks and uh, yeah thanks for joining us thank you for listening to amblecate christian center's podcast for more information about who we are what we believe and how you can get involved check out our website www.amblecatechristiancentre.org.uk